0: The China focused and emerging market focused, we do believe that China's economic rebound will continue in the second half of this year, spurred on by interest rate cuts. China have been cutting the deposit interest rate, the loan prime rate, the bank deposit requirement ratio reserve will be cut again. So China's easing while the rest of the world is uh, hiking interest rates, as well as more targeted stimulus toward the Chinese consumer, as well with an emphasis besides just on broader domestic consumption, but particularly electric fuel.
1: You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at IBKRpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's
2: episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome to today's IBKR podcast. This is Andrew Wilkinson. My guest today is Brendan Ahern, CIO of CraneShares. How are you, Brendan?
0: I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you?
2: I'm doing just fine, thank you. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to come and sit and talk to us about all things China. So let's get underway. The equity markets uh, around the world have started to discount at least a plateau in the Fed's pace of tightening, Brendan, and about how much the world's largest economy might actually slow down. We've talked a lot about recession recently. From where you're sitting, how are investors looking, favorably or otherwise? at both emerging markets and China. Are they somewhat out of favor at this time? What's your view on it?
0: In general, I find U.S. and many global investors are significantly overweight U.S. equities. Following a decade of significant outperformance, U.S. equities now account for nearly two-thirds of the world's market cap. Um, And that's driven by, since the global financial crisis low, which is back in March of 2009, you've had a spectacular run from U.S. equities. So so since the March 9th, 09 low, the S&P 500 is up just about 250%. And that compares to MSCI emerging markets is up 209%, and MSCI China only up 152%. And if you put yourselves in the shoe of an investor, you're getting your quarterly statement, or you're a trustee of a pension plan, or you sit on the board of an endowment or a foundation, or you're Independent board member. That's 56 meetings or financial statements where you're asking yourself, why do we hold non US equities that are so out of favor? They're holding us back. You know, if we just own more US stocks, here's the little rub we'd all agree the last decade plus has been driven by growth stocks. And if we looked at the sector composition of MSCI emerging markets and MSCI China, lo and behold, 50% of those two indices was two sectors financials energy so you have these two value sectors are a disproportionate percentage of the benchmark and so these indices were not good transmission engines for what's been happening economically in emerging markets nor China and more importantly is they had very little exposure to growth stocks so this growth outperformance is not a US phenomenon it's a global phenomenon MSCI emerging markets only had 11% in the tech sector. That tech sector was up over 900% versus the S&P 500, 750. And MSCI China was only 2% technology. That went up 1,800% versus the S&P 500, 750. So so these broad-based benchmarks were very poor transmission engines for a growth market. And that's an element of what we at Crane shares try to provide investors in both emerging markets. And China is exposure to these growth elements.
2: So I want to turn the conversation back to COVID and the legacy of COVID. COVID hit the sizable Chinese economy particularly hard, and the government went to stringent lengths to prevent the spread. First of all, what's the status of China's reopening? And second, Is the pace of China's economic reopening on track at this point?
0: Two interesting things are happening is that COVID, the lockdowns, really weighed on consumer confidence and consumer consumption in China. That you hoard cash, you don't spend it if you're potentially being locked in your apartment during a lockdown or quarantined if you test positive. At the same time, China's economy benefited from the free money many developed governments gave. you give people free money, they buy Peloton bikes and iPhones and Xboxes, they buy meme stocks and Bitcoin, maybe. Now you're seeing a complete flip-flop. That now, as the global economy slows, demand from the world's factories slowing. At the same time, with the removal of zero COVID policy, you're seeing consumer consumption slowly pick up. Consumer confidence isn't like flicking a light switch. So you had this surge, and Chinese equities reflected that surge You know, from October to the latter part of January. Many Chinese stocks went up almost 100%. And then you had this pullback because it's happening incrementally. That you know, Q1 better than Q4, Q2 better than Q1. So we shouldn't expect this overnight success story. It'll come back online incrementally.
2: How do you frame investor sentiment towards emerging markets in China these days? I mean,
0: half jokingly, you couldn't give away the shares on the street corner. Uh, you have this infatuation with U.S. stocks, particularly technology's current favorite is this AI, which the U.S. equity market is becoming increasingly narrow in terms of the breadth. And, and I just find from a lot of just client conversations. Many of these folks have little to no exposure to non US equities. And they say, well, the next decade will look like the last decade. And, and my retort is always, well, what if it's like the decade before the last decade, which was the lost decade that US equities formed 0% for 10 years and non US equities, including emerging markets, outperformed. And there's just a little bit of a cynic or contrarian streak, you know, and for myself, that just says, And the market does what people are least prepared for. And with U.S. equities at a basically an all-time high within global equity market cap, um, you know the Warren Buffett Country Indicator U.S. equities. I think it's more than hundred fifty percent GDP in U.S. market cap. So, so, we'll see. Time will tell. Again, I, I, don't, I don't pretend to think I can predict the future. I just think there's a you know potential reversion to the mean over the next next several years in terms of non-U.S. outperformance.
2: Let's turn to geopolitical risks which appear to be resurfacing, and I'm talking about Taiwan. That's become the topic at the top of many analysts' minds. Can you summarize the current thinking about the tension between mainland China and Taiwan? And second of all, what's your view on the situation?
0: from our conversations with Henry Kissinger's over the years, as well as our general counsel was actually President Obama's ambassador to Singapore. where she spent time with Lee Kuan Yew, the founding father of modern Singapore and the proverbial consigliere to Chinese leaders is that China always plays the long game, that they want Taiwan to want to be part of China. At the same time, I think our brains are wired to come up with easy solutions. So you say Ukraine, Russia, Taiwan, China, it's a much more complicated issue. I think ultimately, China does play the long game. And that's just from you know the simple reality that China's economy, unlike Russia, is so geared to the West. The Chinese economy would collapse without exports to the United States, to Europe, to Japan, to broader Asia. Russia had nothing to lose, proverbially. China has everything to lose. And we've done some interesting work where most people say China, you know, Taiwan's 90 miles from China. But in fact, part of Taiwan sits just three miles from mainland China. Kinmen County, if you use Google Maps, you'd be shocked if China wanted to take that element of Taiwan, they could do it in a rowboat. And people live there. It shows that the Western media narrative, why would anyone live there? They thought, you know, some imminent invasion was going to take place. So I think we're a little bit of skeptics in that regard. And if you're worried about an invasion, then you should be selling U.S. multinationals with high revenue exposure to China. So think about Apple, Tesla, Nike, Starbucks, Boeing, Exxon Mobil. I mean, you'd basically be eliminating the vast majority of U.S. stocks.
2: Where does Brendan Ahan see opportunities for the second half of 2023? Well,
0: not surprising being China focused and emerging market focus, we do believe that China's economic rebound will continue in the second half of this year, spurred on by interest rate cuts. China has been cutting the deposit interest rate, the loan prime rate, the bank deposit requirement ratio reserve will be cut again. so China's easing while the rest of the world is uh, hiking interest rates as well as more targeted stimulus toward the Chinese consumer, as well as with an emphasis besides just on broader domestic consumption, but particularly electric vehicle. Uh, We're seeing some very specific measures there. So we're optimistic for a rosier or a better performance for Chinese stocks in the second half of this year than the first half as well as we believe the geopolitical narrative can improve. There's a lot of talk about Secretary of State Blinken visiting China. A member from the U.S. Treasury Department just visited Hong Kong, the first senior official in Hong Kong in five years. Uh, So we think a potential thawing in the relationship could actually allow President Xi and President Biden to meet at the APAC summit in San Francisco later on this year. So a lot a lot to watch, Andrew.
2: My guest in this edition has been Crane Share CIO Brendan Ahern. Brendan, thank you very much for joining me today.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, Andrew.
2: And if you enjoyed this episode, please do remember to leave us a review wherever you download your podcasts from. And as ever, check out additional episodes at ibkrpodcast.com. Thanks for listening to Traders
1: Insight Radio. As always, there's more content at tradersinsight.news. And if you're interested interested in learning more about interactive brokers visit ibkr.com we offer more trading education materials such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com market related courses at tradersacademy.online and quant related articles at ibkrquant Individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Trading in digital assets, including cryptocurrencies, is especially risky and is only for individuals with a high risk tolerance and the financial ability to sustain losses. Eligibility to trade in digital asset products may vary based on jurisdiction.